Welcome to Explore Expert Conversations, presented by Anywhere Real Estate, bringing our global network to your front door. Hello, and welcome to another episode of Explore Expert Conversations, brought to you by Anywhere Real Estate. Our show features discussions with leaders across the Anywhere Real Estate brands and the industry at large. We cover high-level advice for brokers, agents, and investors worldwide. I'm your host, Matthew Ferrara, philosopher, speaker, and real estate industry expert. Today, I'm proud to present another wonderful panel featuring different leading trade associations discussing ways to recruit and retain talent that reflects the communities you serve. We'll also focus on topics about achieving growth through diversity, equity, and inclusion. This is a discussion you won't want to miss. So thank you for listening to Explore Expert Conversations, bringing you insights and resources from across the industry to encourage change in your community. We have a great program today, a lot to cover. So I want to get started here right away. Let me introduce our panelists as we talk about some of the issues around diversity, inclusion, fair housing, and so much more. Let me kick us off with a good friend of mine, an industry leader, someone who's also been a mentor to me over the years. Tanya Runavayas is the chief people officer at Realogy Corporation. She's responsible for employee experience, diversity, inclusion, engagement, talent management, and much more. Great resume, Tanya, but also just amazing to have you with us here today. Our next guest is Ashley Thomas, who's the managing broker of First Security Investment Company and the second vice president for the National Association of Real Estate Brokers, also known as NAREB. He is currently the um, managing broker at First Security, which is a multifaceted real estate sales, property management, and mortgage lending firm. Ashley actually began his entrepreneurial pursuits very young in his life at 20 years old, jumping into real estate, perhaps like many of us, and headed a loss mitigation department for a national real estate mortgage firm working with struggling homeowners to help them keep their properties. But Ashley, we're so glad you're with us today as well. Okay, next up, Narina Limon is the Senior Vice President of Public Policy and Industry Relations at the National Association of Hispanic Real Estate Professionals, also known as NIREP. She leads the organization's policy and advocacy efforts, as well as the Hispanic Wealth Project, which she'll certainly be sharing some information on with us about today. Prior to NIREP, she spent six years at the Consumer Financial Protection Bureau and was also in the office of the Director of Mortgage Markets. Narena, we're glad you're with us as well. This is an all-star lineup. I'm so excited for today's conversation. So let me also go to Ryan Wayant, who is the CEO at the LGBTQ Real Estate Alliance and also a founder at Raw Insight, which is an organizational development and consulting firm. Ryan is an agent and advocate for diversity, equity, and inclusion, and is passionate about organizational change in our industry. He served almost a decade in lending and financial services, including being in the private mortgage banking and loan officer roles at Wells Fargo and U.S. Bank in the Twin Cities. But Ryan, thanks for hanging out with us for an hour here as well. And finally, my friend Hope Atwell, who is the executive director for the Asian Real Estate Association of America. Also, we know it as ARIA. She has served there since January 2012. 
before that, of course, has, has a great career working with other organizations such as the College of American Pathologists, the Appraisal Institute, and school districts in Chicago. Hope's experience includes private sector as well as nonprofit work, including work at uh, Harlan Financial, Crane Companies, and Westfield Corporation. Hope, thanks for being with us as well, and to all of our guests, and so I'm excited for today's conversation. I'd like to kick it off right away with a conversation on fair housing and just open up the conversation on the challenges and inequalities that continue to pervade uh, the industry and our community at large. So I'm gonna ask Ashley my first question here because your organization, is the oldest of the minority trade associations out there, NAREB, and fair housing and inclusion of African-American in agents in the industry is such a big deal. It's been one of your main priorities at NAREB. Can you tell us a little bit about the organization's background and then how you're pursuing this mission today? Yes, absolutely. Thank you. The National Association of Real Estate Brokers was founded in 1947. I'm very honored to be able to serve as the second vice president uh, we are rooted in the core principle value of democracy and housing for all. Prior to 1947 and even extending into the 70s, Black real estate professionals were not permitted to join, which was known back then as the National Association of Real Estate Boards, better known today as the National Association of Realtors. So we had our own organization and is very much so still needed today. As you look at the gap in home ownership, still expands about 28 to 31% a quarter over quarter. So we definitely see a need that even after fair housing was passed in 1968, that the gap still remains. So that's very much a great concern of ours. And so, you know, and I think from a historical context, we have to look at fair housing law passed in 68 and, and why it was passed. It was passed strictly because of the assassination of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. It was not it had been fought for for eight to 10 years prior to that, and always obviously extending prior to that, but specifically since 1960, we were advocating for, for housing in the industry. So we are very much still engaged in the fight. The fight has changed from signs in front of properties to more of an intellectual technology fight of exclusion. And so definitely excited for the conversation today, but definitely proud to be a member of the National Association of Real Estate Brokers. And thank you for that. And I think, I mean, the work that's been already accomplished has been great, but certainly so much more to be done. And I look forward to hearing some of the ways in which you're continuing to help improve that representation and to make a difference in not only the industry, but the consumer side of the equation. Let me ask Hope, because similarly, your organization is the largest AAPI organization in the country and has been very instrumental in dealing with issues of equality and, and not just in real estate. I, I want to point out it's a much bigger purview at your organization. One of the things that stands out is the uh, No Other campaign. And I would love for you to give us a little background and then tell us a little bit about that particular campaign. Yeah, so thank you, Matthew, for asking that question. You know, each year we take a look at our policy initiatives, right, our top uh, three priorities. And each year we take a look at the homeownership data that's put together by different agencies and, and bureaus, including the U.S. Census Bureau. And what's frustrating is that the U.S. Census Bureau prior to 2016 would put out a, not just an annual report, but a quarterly report on housing data. 
And since its inception, Asian Americans and Pacific Islanders have been lumped into the other category. Now, the annual report would actually have a disaggregated or standalone category for Asians, but we would need to actually wait until the end of the year to get that data. For the quarterly report, we were lumped into the other category, right? So there is a category for non-Hispanic whites, there's a category for Hispanics, there's a category for Blacks, and for the Asian American and Pacific Islander community, 7% of the population were lumped into other. And so this would actually filter through other reports that you would see, whether it's from the Brookings Institute or the Urban Institute. And so we as Asians and Pacific Islanders, right, we're considered this perpetual foreigner we would be in this other category in the quarterly report. So in 2015, at the end of that year, our leadership had decided we are going to actually ask the U.S. Census Bureau to give us a standalone category, right? They collect this data anyway for some reason. They don't report it in the quarterly report. And so there were many, many visits in D.C. to meet with the director of the U.S. Census Bureau through the help of KPAC and many other legislators, we were successful in um, making the change. So in July of 2016, which is the first year that the US Census Bureau is now reporting a standalone category on their quarterly housing report, you'll see Asian Americans and Pacific Islander. And that's really important, right? Because if you take a look at aggregated data, not just in housing, but in health and education, it actually gives a very different story, right? We're, we're, we are considered this model minority. And so when you take a look at this aggregated data, it's a whole different story. And in fact, what we want is even much more disaggregated data with the different subcultures. And that's something that we're working through, not just the CFPB, but other agencies so that we can actually see what's going on within our community. And that's a great point, Hope, because within the AAPI community, there's a lot of cultural, linguistic diversity. And as you also said, there's also, you know, just a lot of participation in the economy and communities and in purchasing power. So the more that data can be disaggregated and more focused, the more we're able to see progress and challenges and be able to be more effective. Well, I mean, at least we're moving in the right direction. That's a hopeful sign, right? So, so that is a really good thing. Tanya, let me go to you for a moment here, because Realogy has really been in the forefront of this conversation for a very long time. And it has just recently launched a very aggressive effort around fair housing. Can you talk to us a little bit about that initiative, what sparked it and how you see Realogy's role in helping being part of the solution? Unfortunately, over the past year, we've seen such an uptick in hate crimes taking place and the blatant discrimination, you know, Ashley alluded to some things that are, that are going on, these very intentional acts of violence. And so while yes, Matthew, I agree, certainly progress has been made and we're moving in the right direction, we still have so much work to do together as an industry. And so last year, I think we all recognized so many things that were taking place across our country, within our industry and outside of our industry. And so 
we really looked at fair housing and, and we had a choice, right? We really had to make a choice, continue staying the course and relying on courses and programming that are out there and available to us as practitioners or double down on our efforts. And, and we chose the latter. And so we went all in on really creating some coursework that was refreshed. We clearly view ourselves being in the people business. And so we built communities and neighborhoods. And this is simply essential for conducting business. So we created this in-house training and, and we not only offered it to our constituents, so our agents, our employees, and our broker owners, but we offered it to the public. And I think there's a lot to be said in that because we view this as not only an obligation to our company and the customers that we serve, but to the industry at large. And that takes not one company, not two companies, but us coming together and uniting and really tackling this challenge together. So, you know, happy to share uh, many of our agents for 7,000 have taken this course. So hopefully there's an educational component there after taking it. All of our employees every year are now mandated to take it. So we had about 7,000 of our employees taken and about 15,000 or so that are in process. So have pledged to do so. So it starts with education, but it doesn't end with education. I think that's also an important point. We had conversations on this topic that we never had. We brought groups of people together through our business resource groups. So in the field, right, where facilitation of deals happen, where agent meets customer, where leader meets the culture in their offices. And we had very real discussions through our business groups, again, led by our local practitioners on even books like The Color of Law to really bring these discussions to the forefront and challenge ourselves to say, okay, what has really changed? And has it changed enough? And are we satisfied? And clearly the answer is no. So there was a lot of really rich discussion that led to further action, both at the local and the national level. Just going back a couple of years, it's really important to us to not be the first to do things per se, but be leading an effort that we want others to follow suit in. So you know, you look at the Fair Housing Act, amending that and being the first to sort of and get behind that, whereby, you know, we wanted clearly to move that forward to include sexual orientation and gender identity as a protected class, fair housing. And it wasn't about just doing it. It was about us, you know, myself personally reaching out to many of our competitors and saying, we need to get behind this. This is not a company thing. It's not, you know, Realogy first. It's, it's about us doing the right thing in our industry. And it takes all of us yet again. So I think there's a theme that resonates here. And that's we all come together as an industry where it matters most. Our leaders are very committed. Ryan Gorman, our CEO of Coal Banker, has been at the forefront, really leading this charge. And it takes business leaders, right, to make a change, not just folks like myself that, you know, are immersed in this space, but really the business leaders to do the same. So we're looking forward to an education of discussion of bringing people together and bringing companies in the industry together to really drive this effort. And then, you know, it's a great point, Tanya, is a sort of it's a clarion call for the whole industry to get involved. You know, all the efforts of all of our panelists and groups on the call today, all of the time and resources Realogy can put into it is just the starting point, right? The more we can all together continue to have tough conversations and then advocate for important change, 
that I think is how we'll start to get the changes that have been sorely lagging in too many areas to finally be implemented, obviously for the benefit of all of us, but also for you know the world at large. So it's a good point. Let me ask Ryan to jump in here for a second, because as Tanya just mentioned, there's a lot to do, right? There's still so much more work to be done. And this year, it seems to have maybe started off on a good foot in some areas. And I think that's kind of good news, right? There's a potential passing, for example, of the Equality Act. For our guests on the session here today who aren't familiar with that, could you tell us a little bit about that bill and also how do we support it? How do we help make sure it happens? The LGBTQ community really resembles the fabric of humanity. And we are truly blessed, in my opinion, that we are such a diverse minority group. And encompassed in that, we have our AAPI community, we have our Latino Hispanic community, we have our Black African American community. I wanna be extremely clear that the Alliance stands hand in hand in partnership with all three of these organizations as we all face some unprecedented discrimination that are attacking all of our minority groups. So I, I wanna be clear that while I'm happy to go down this road and talk about how lucky we are as a LGBTQ community, we are also cognizant of everything else going on right now. And, and we stand hand in hand with our brothers and sisters. So that being said, the Equality Act, man, what a ride. So the Equality Act, uh, it basically would amend the Civil Acts, or the Civil Rights Act of 1964. On February 26th, it was passed through the House of Representatives again, and it's now in committee waiting for uh, its day in the Senate on the floor. The Equality Act would basically make um, orientation and identity protected classes federally. And not a lot of folks understand that in 27 states in this country, sexual orientation and gender identity are not protected federally. And unfortunately, in those same states, there are no state level protections. So discrimination against folks in our community and renting and, and buying and credit extension is still very much legal. So it's critical that we keep the momentum rolling for this legislation. I think you asked, Matthew, what can be done? Call your senators because there's a, a serious concern that this is going to be filibustered off of the Senate floor and it's not going to receive a vote, which would be a tragedy in my opinion. We have come so far and as part of that band-aid, both HUD and the CFPB have put moratoriums on discrimination saying that under the protection of sex in the current equal rights legislation, that now includes uh, orientation and identity. And you know, organizations like HUD and the National Fair Housing Alliance can go back up to one year from last month to start looking at discrimination cases. So we're extremely grateful of that, but there's a lot of work to still do. And people need to remain cognizant of what's going on in the process and in the, in the Senate and Congress and not get distracted from what the media is, is waving as the next banner headline. There's still a lot of work to do and calling your senator is one of the easiest things you can do to make your voice count. A great point, right? We all can have an impact and we have an opportunity and an obligation to make our voices heard. So, all right. Speaking of uh, CFPB, I guess Ryan brought it up first. So that is a great way to, for me to bring Narena into the conversation here because you spent some time at the CFPB and you also, you know, have 
you know, other insights uh, since then, of course. And so you kind of understand the wheels of government, but also the big picture that's important. Can you tell me a little bit about sort of the issues impacting the Hispanic community today, and not only in real estate, but just more broadly speaking, and how, you know, in the month where our attention is focused on fair housing, you know, how we can make some some changes and how we can make some progress here. Yeah, well, thank you. First of all, thank you so much to Realogy for organizing us and thank you for your incredible partnership over the years. We greatly appreciate it. And, and I think I speak for all of us that we we would not be able to do the things that we do were it not for you. So thank you so much. This is such a multifaceted <laughs> question. I would first of all start by talking about the power of data. Ashley, you talked about how we might not have signs outside of uh, houses, but we do have discriminatory algorithms and pricing. And that's why Hamda is so important. I think the new redefinition of qualified mortgage is going to be critical for communities of color as well in terms of determining access to credit. But for the Latino community, I do believe Hold on, before I, I say that, I wanted to go back to what Hope said as well about, about data and the power of disaggregating data. And when we look at the Latino community, we think of Hispanic and Latinos represent 33 different countries that came to the United States for different reasons and different economic, uh, socioeconomic backgrounds. The largest Latino population in the country is Mexican, but there are the newly arrived Mexicans, and then there are the people that the border crossed them that have been here since the inception of this country. So we are a very complex community. And as you saw from the elections, we are not a homogeneous community. The homeownership rates are very different, whether you are Afro-Latino or you are Mexican heritage, or you come from Argentina, one of the highest Latino homeownership rates in the country, but also a very small population. So the power of disaggregating data is really critical. Uh, and I would, I'll join uh, Hope in, in, in talking about that and understanding the best policies to address the various realities. But I would say that the issue that impacts Latinos today more than anything else is housing inventory. And I would say that some of the zoning restrictions that we have in the country are our modern day uh, redlining. It is unbelievable. And seeing Latinos being concentrated in high cost areas we're looking at the data. Latinos are, are forming households at faster rates than any other demographic. The demand is there. The desire is there. But we do not have the homes to back it up. And we have underproduction of housing around the nation. And that is a huge barrier to, to our economy, our economic growth. We all know the role that real estate plays in our economy. And we know the increasing role that people of color are playing in the real estate market. So I would say that that is something that I love working with my fellow trade associations on because it is an issue that we need to tackle. We need to build more housing and we need to tackle our zoning restrictions. So let me do a couple of quick lightning round questions here to get as many different facets, answers to some of these questions. And I'm going to start with Tanya for just one second here, because as you were speaking, a wonderful question came in. And I think it's a way for us to, again, look at the challenges that are out there. What might be your thoughts on implementing an association, which is focused on the concerns of disabled people, disabled Americans. Any thoughts there? Is there a need for that? Obviously, as Ryan was saying, you know, there's a lot of overlap in all of our efforts here. But you know, that might be an area that we 
aren't necessarily giving a, much, a lot of attention to? I think it's a great suggestion, one of which we focus on internally from, from an employee standpoint. We actually have an employee resource group called Real Abilities that focuses on challenges that disabled employees have. And so I think it, we've actually done some work as well from an agent perspective. If you think about you know everything from showings to, I mean, there, there's a lot of work that can be done. We have some really amazing advocates at the agent level that have done some great work specifically in, in cities like Miami. So I think it's a great suggestion, something that we can take away and, and something that certainly would be well-received in the industry if we formalize it more so and put a national focus on it. Great. I thought maybe either Ashley and Hope might want to jump in here from a sort of a talent standpoint, especially in terms of recruiting more diversity into our sales force, our management force. What are some of the things you're seeing effective uh, from within your organizations to you know, make the industry not only more welcoming and more you know, open to diverse talent, but also uh, effectively being able to help that diverse talent enter, uh, have good careers, and have the resources that they need. Ashley, let me start with you on that. Thank you. I, I mean, I think definitely for us, one of the, the main focuses that we have is, is on the advocacy piece. There is extreme amount of interest getting into our industry. However, is the industry there for you to become successful, right? So when we look at different things, we look at certain communities, we look at income inequality, we look at appraisal biases. That's a huge thing, conversation going on right now. So if you and we all get paid on percentages of the transaction. So if the appraisal has a bias to it, then you make less money in that transaction. And so as you talk about and these issues are impacting neighborhoods of color at a greater rate. And so when you look at that, you sit, you have to ask yourself, are the policies and the current procedures that are taking place right now? providing a platform for the successful person for the person to become successful and i think that's why advocacy is so important the stroke of the pen can determine your success or not right and so we want to make sure that we maintain on that front now on the core side on the day-to-day -day stuff i think it's very important to just be aware of the culture of everything that's going on in those particular areas and what that person represents, you know, and I love what Tanya said earlier is about having real conversations. Well, you know, in a real conversation, we talk about sales and a lot of people that utilize real estate agents utilize people from their own community, right? And so as we talk about the home ownership rate in the black community being under 50%, automatically there's less opportunity there. You know, it's not so much about the person wanting to be in the industry or not. It's about once I'm here, will I be able to be successful? Right. And so it's sort of a vicious cycle where it's hard because we haven't increased home ownership rates. It's very difficult for salespeople and managers of color to be able to be effective within their own communities. And so we have to sort of address both of those simultaneously. And those are really, really big issues. Hope also with respect to that from the sort of perspective of diversity, you know, you mentioned the, the sort of intra-diversity within the AAPI community. So, you know, now we look at those cultural considerations and how organizations are being effective or also are challenged with bringing that talent into their industry. What kinds of suggestions would you have for our audience? 
Yeah, Matthew, I would say education and information about a career in real estate, right? That's There's a lot of career choices to be made in real estate, whether it's commercial, whether it's residential, right, or appraisal, or you're on the other side in, in mortgage. That needs to be clearly disseminated within the Asian American community. I think there are a lot of perceptions that a career choice in real estate is something that's not great, right? So for a lot of Asians, including myself, our parents expect us to either be lawyers or engineers or, or doctors. And I remember this, this interview with Jamie Tian, one of our top producers in LA, you know, she went to UCLA and completed her four-year degree and told her parents, hey, I'm, I'm starting a career in real estate. And they said, well, what's that going to, you're, you're, you're like a car salesman. And so I think that education is important. We started Aria Youth a couple of years ago. And I know, Tanya, one of the things that you had spoken to about 30 individuals in that room was an opportunity to take a look at a, a real estate career. And again, I think that opening the eyes of the youth and starting early is a good way to sort of like diversify, not just a workforce, but also to encourage folks within our community that again, a career in real estate is actually a great choice. And, and Matthew, if I can just jump in because I sure. think it brings up a really good point. This is yet another industry issue, right? When you look at the representation across our industry, we're sorely underrepresented and sorely is an understatement, right? When you look, when you marry that with who's actually purchasing homes or who has the opportunity to purchase homes, you have 10% of the realtor population that are Latino, you have 6% that are Black or African American, and you have about 5% that are, you know, rep that represent the AAPI community. It, it's a complete mismatch, right? But we as an industry have not united and come together. And as Hope is suggesting, gone out there and really touted the benefits of being in real estate, whether that's a career in real estate sales or what a career in real estate can offer you, both from a financial perspective, flexibility, growth. And there's a big opportunity because at some point, right, you know, we're also in an aging industry. We're not going to be able to replenish the talent that leaves for whatever reason. So we have a, it's a major industry issue that, again, I think we need to come together and tackle. Now, Narina, one of the you know great success stories is Hispanics entering into the real estate industry. I think the numbers are up more than ever before. What are some of the ways that NAREP has helped the real estate industry, helped individual companies and associations become more aware, expand that education that Hope was talking about, and also in many ways have to, you know, perhaps improve their processes, improve the way their operations work to be able to enable that Hispanic entrepreneur to be successful in this business. Absolutely. Well, first of all, we've always said that if there was a single bullet in terms of what could improve Hispanic homeownership rates, it would be to increase our community, just ownership rates among communities of color, it's to diversify all levels of the industry. There is something that happens from the loan officer to the real estate agent, the point of sale that happens when an individual is in the industry will convert the entire community around there, around them, whether it be their cousins or whether it be their neighbors, but 
they will make sure that they will pester them until they go from renters to homeowners. And there is something organically that happens in a community when people of color and people that look like them enter into the real estate industry. But even from, a, from the top levels, you really need to have that commitment and that understanding of the community. For example, one of the biggest mistakes that I see companies make when reaching out to the Latino community is automatically they think, oh, we just need to translate everything. We just need to do everything in Spanish. And our data has shown that as the Latino community is aging, the majority of Latinos, the biggest, the biggest generation of Latinos are, are pretty young and they're English speakers. And you're going to have to understand to market, market to the Latino community, you'll have to do it in language, but in culture. And that's not something you can learn. That's something that you know inherently what connects. And the only way you do that is by hiring people that come from those communities. And so having that commitment all the way to the top is absolutely critical. When it comes to NAREP, in terms of our organization, we see home ownership as the number one way that we build wealth, the way that we bridge the wealth gap. And that's why we're so committed to our mission, to the work that we do. But our organization seats itself as, a, as an economic mobility organization that spans even beyond that. Tanya, you talked about the Hispanic Wealth Project. That's something that has galvanized our members like nothing else. We have these initiatives or these principles called the NAREP 10 disciplines that we have permeated through the ethos of the organization in terms of how we approach money are having a mature understanding of wealth and why we do it, focusing it on family, our reason for doing what we do. And so we have really everything that we do from all the education that we do for our members at the core of that is that it's wealth building. And our, our hope is that those real estate agents or those real estate professionals will go out into their communities and transform their communities with those disciplines. But those I think are, have been some of the most successful ways that we've done that. And obviously through all the partnerships and amazing support that folks like Realogy have done to grow our organization. So, you know, Ryan, that Narina brings up a really good point, which is so the education is not only for us in the industry, but also being aware of how that education educates the consumer, right? So the push towards wealth isn't only for the Hispanic entrepreneur in this business, but for their broader community, friends, family, sphere of influence, et cetera. One of the things that the LGBTQ Alliance is really focused on is helping practitioners understand the needs of LGBTQ home buyers, right? The challenges that they face, the needs that they have, the way in which they want to engage housing and engage the housing industry. Can you give us some examples as to how Alliance is, is addressing that and being being on the forefront of that conversation? Yeah, sure. Absolutely. So I think the, the, the first thing to take away is that there is no one size fits all answer, right? There's no such thing as being an LGBTQ person. You can't be them all. You can't be every letter of, of our acronym. You're uniquely suited to be in our community, but it's impossible to represent all of the letters of our acronym. So, you know, the first piece of advice that I give folks is really tear down any preconceived notions or anything you think you know, because every member of our community, just like every me member of, of any community represented, has unique needs and, and is different, but I can tell you what they're all looking for. They're all looking for the same thing you're looking for, Matthew and Tanya. Uh, we're all looking for a sense of belonging in our neighborhood, safety and security, and the chance to really thrive. That's all we want, as I would say, as people in home ownership. 
So we're doing several things at the Alliance, which I'm extremely proud of. Uh, one of those is aimed towards the realtor and the real estate agent population with uh, the development of a fairly inclusive CE course. We've taken that course and we've actually modulized it and we've created an Alliance certified program. This is focused at allies. So straight folks in the community who may or may not currently work with LGBTQ community members, may not even know what the term ally means. And this is really a 101 curriculum. It's about two hours in length that uh, we teach for real estate agents, title folks, insurance folks to go through and we brand it certified, meaning you, you've got the basic acumen to go out and, and be able to work with our community. But it gives a very basic understanding of the different needs and the different ways to approach folks in our community while still feeling good about what you're doing. Like you're not walking on eggshells when a lesbian couple comes through the front door of your open house. How are you going to break that tension that you may perceive exists because you're not sure how to approach the situation? So the course is really aimed at giving folks that are interested in working with our community. And let me remind you, there's $1.2 trillion wrapped up in purchase potential just in the LGBTQ community. So it's a phenomenal business opportunity if folks are willing to embrace it. The folks that are willing to embrace it, we want to give the basic understanding and education on what our community looks like and how to approach us. And I think that makes sense, right? Giving people a sense, an uh, opportunity to become familiar, to learn, to become comfortable. And then I think this is true for all of the conversations we're having, all the organizations on our call here today. But I want to wrap up with a quick question for Tanya. What about diversity across the ownership level of real estate firms? I know specifically that Realogy has an effort here, but I also know that the industry has been paying more attention to that. But boy, I mean, talk about, you know, representation differences between salespeople and the general U.S. population. I think ownership of firms also has a lot of growth to go. I mean, it goes back to the whole point of really looking at how we look at the data, right? It's not just one group, if you will, but we, we do. We look at our agent base, we look at our ownership base, and obviously our employee population. Ownership has been something we've been paying close attention to, but also programming on, right? So we have a very specific program called the Inclusive Ownership Program that basically offers a full program to include financial incentives, to include mentorship, and to include programming on building a successful business for diverse owners to increase the population, but also to help diverse owners be more successful, right? And so, and create a community, right? Create that um, cohort, if you will, across a specific brand or within a company. So that's been very intentional for us. Clearly, when you look at the gaps, I mean, I mentioned the, the statistics from an agent perspective across the industry, it is much lower than that when you look at broker owner levels and then just leadership, right? At the corporate levels across our industry. So that's been one effort that we've been focused on not just from a minority standpoint, but also from a, a gender perspective, right? Because clearly we are an industry that is dominated by females. I think we're at like 67%. Now, if you look at the agent population, when you look at the broker owner population, that's it's about 27%. So significant gap. And then obviously even further reduced from there, when you look at corporate leadership roles, we at Realogy have always been fortunate to have amazing female leaders across the company. So it's really important to us to leverage our own leaders, right? To help others up. That starts with the agent base going out and really recruiting agents into the business. And it also 
this program has allowed us to look at team leaders or even agents that want to start their own business. And so leveraging our own leadership team or even other fellow broker owners that have successfully done so to help others you know, achieve that either role, that level of success and help them with their growth path. And I'd like to just quickly round Robin through our group here and ask two questions. Give us a way in which our audience can get involved and then maybe just give us a suggestion for how they can be effective in their role. How can they do a, a little something each individually, which together will create a great community effect. So Ashley, how do we get involved and what should we be focused on when we're trying to help expand both talent and home ownership in the black community? I definitely believe part of the conversation, a part of the change that needs to take place is starting with conversations and continuing the conversations. In terms of our organization, we are online, ARAP.com. We are located in over 92 cities across the country where we have local boards and local presidents and teams that are, are there. Um, we also have member at large, if you're in an area that's more rural and it's not um, close to a chapter that we are there. I would just touch really quick on some of the advocacy positions that in terms of making changes that we definitely are looking for support on. Uh, number one is a national down payment assistance program. That makes sense. Not a program that overlays so much that now you say, don't do it because that's what we have a lot of times. And then also our student loans is, is something that is driving everyone. We wanna make sure that we recalculate how that's analyzed in the approval process. And then also just loan level price adjustments. You know, We find that there's discriminatory practices in loan level price adjustments. Billions of dollars are being lost through wealth, through refinances and purchases based on uh, appraisal biases. So those are different things that we're, and so much more I could talk for forever, but definitely we are focused on that. And then just in general, as a national organization, and to several of the points made earlier, we are definitely focused on educating people in the community, getting into the career earlier. I was blessed to get in at age 20 and I'm a rarity in that. But so we definitely take that testimony and roll that out to a lot of other people to say 21 years in, in the business, where could you be? You know, so right. again, thank you. Fabulous. And those are, that's great suggestions, specific initiatives to keep our eye on. Hope, let me jump over to you. Specific initiatives that people could keep their eye on or specific opportunities and uh, how do they get involved? Yeah, yeah. So how do you get involved? We've got 42 chapters in the United States, two in Canada, right? And so there's a lot of opportunity to engage within our network. But specifically working with our community, I probably leave with three kind of like suggestions, three C's to lending, that's capacity to pay collateral and credit. I would say if you're working with the Asian American and Pacific Islander community, remember three other C's, right? That is culture, understanding our very complex culture. We're not a monolithic culture. I would say the other C is communications, just because of the complexities of the language. We don't even share one alphabet. You take a look at the characters in the Thai language, the Japanese, the Korean, it's different, right? So communications is key. And just like what Nurena had said, the subcultures within the Hispanic community is very similar to the Asian community. And so access to in-language resources is key. And then finally, community. Be integrated in, into our community, whether it's community center or faith-based type of like community center or 
again, even kind of like understanding the food that we eat, right? Sharing with us a meal. And I think that that in itself is going to build trust and relationship, which we are in a relationship business. So that I think, Matthew, is what I will leave our viewers. Fantastic. Culture, communications, and community. And I know that everyone on here will have no trouble finding Aria's website and becoming a member and participating at Narena. Talk to us about how what NARAP is focused on and how we can get involved in just the few minutes that we have left. Well, like everybody else said, you can go to our website and <laughs> NARAP.org. We have 100 chapters around the nation. And I have to say that you have to experience our culture to see how amazing our organization is, not to toot our own horn, but we are a big, big familia that will welcome doors to anybody who's interested in joining us. And we like to have fun together. But at the same time that we like to have fun together, we're all passionate about our mission. And like many of you have said, we are focused, our priorities are around housing inventory, access to credit, and also immigration reform as an economic imperative. But I do encourage all of you to check out our website. And I can just say, having had the privilege of being at some of your conferences, they absolutely most definitely are fun and energizing. Ryan, talk to us about what we should put our focus on to be good allies and also how we can get involved with the Alliance. Sure, Matthew. Well, the Alliance obviously welcomes members of our community and the ally community, and the ally community is a huge push. Right now, we have 10% of our membership that identifies as straight allies. So it's a huge thing for us. Great. And let me go to Tanya to wrap us up here. So just where is Realogy's focus going to be for the rest of this year? And perhaps I'm, I know for sure must be on that as we continue to make inroads in Fair Housing Revisited. Yeah, we have lots going on the expansion of our inclusive ownership program. As I mentioned, we have a very specific focus on really developing our diverse talent internally, hiring certainly the best and, and brightest talent in the industry, recognizing that diversity is a big part of that. And a lot of different programs that we're offering, we're expanding our Ascend program to really focus on our inclusive owners that come in that are you know diverse owners. We have some great initiatives aligned, as, as some of you alluded to, with each one of our organizations here, it's extremely important to know your local market first. Like that's, that's a, a really important first step. And then obviously get involved with many of the organizations represented here. It's extremely important. What we are doing is being very intentional about talent, right? Talent attracts talent. It's important to have the cultural competence within your offices, within your companies. So either building that capability or buying that capability is something that we're really focused on. And we're expanding our agents of change events. So we were able to reach over 4,500 of our own agents, having those, Ashley, as you mentioned, those really you know, critical conversations, talking hope about the unconscious biases that exist, be it intentional or non-intentional. And so I would invite all of you, those are, those are now public. So we invite the, the public to join us in those conversations as well. So those are just some of the things that all of you can expect throughout the balance of the year. Well, a full plate at Realogy and definitely a full plate at all of the groups of our guests here today. This has been a really insightful conversation. A lot of work to do, a lot of progress yet to be made. And I know that with everyone's help in this group, we're going to get further than, than ever before.
that will do it for this episode of Explore Expert Conversations. I hope we brought you some insights and understanding into fair housing and achieving growth through diversity, equity, and inclusion. As always, if you enjoyed what you heard, please be sure to tell others to subscribe, rate the show, and leave us a review. I'm Matthew Ferrara, and this has been Explore Expert Conversations from anywhere real estate with insights and resources from across the industry to encourage change in your community. We'll see you next time.